listening to Turnbased episode 5 on thecoalition.com and I'm here with the usual, my usual co-host, David. What's up, David? Hey, what's up? Let's do this. Turnbased episode 5 time. Cool, cool. And also Mr. AKQ. What's up, AKQ? Hey, everyone. Turnbased episode 5. Good to be here again. All right. And um, let's just get right into what we've been playing. So I'll start off with David. David, what have you been playing this week or the past two weeks? Um, really haven't been playing a whole lot because I just started a class in the summer. But I've got in some good Mass Effect time. I'm trying to get through that as quickly as I can. And some Two Worlds 2 on um, the PS3. Played a little bit of that. What about you guys? Um, me, I've been playing a lot of random stuff. Like, um, today I was playing some Metal Gear Solid 4. Um, played so- oh, I've been playing a lot of Borderlands in the past two weeks because, um, you know, that's a game that I bought like last year or something. I love and, that game. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a great game. And, you know, I never actually got around to beating it. So, you know, I just decided to pick it up now and, you know, see if I can finish that off because it was just kind of sitting there collecting dust so yeah I've been playing that I played a bit of Mass Effect 2 as well because um, I really want to finish the DLC like the Lair of Shadow Broker and uh, the other one I can't remember what it's called now but yeah I've been playing some of that and um, Elder Scrolls Oblivion as usual today I was looking up some mods for that game because um, James There's so many yeah, exactly. James G kind of, you know, got me interested in getting some mods and stuff. So I was on the the Elder Scrolls Nexus forum looking up some mods. And that's that's about it, really. Uh, what about you, AKQ? Lately, I've been playing a game called Secret Files Tunguska. I'm a, I'm a big fan of these adventure games, and uh, Secret Files Tunguska is no exception. It's got a really interesting story, and I really want to know what happens to the main characters as I want to keep progressing through that game because it's a really interesting story it tells. Also, I've been playing Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six 3 Gold Edition. That game still holds its own. It's still one of the most deep tactical uh, tactical squad-based shooters available. Even and it, It's an old game, but it has an aged one bit in my eyes. And lastly, I've been playing Star Wars Empire Gold at War. Yeah, I'm getting into that a bit more because there's a lot of fun. It's a really, it's the Star Wars universe, and you're building your empire with either the Rebel Alliance or the um, the Empire. And uh, I haven't actually... Today I was just playing... I wasn't playing Fallout New Vegas. I was trying some mods out for Fallout New Vegas, including... A World of Pain, I think it's called, and it adds about over 90 locations to the desert. So, oh, really? Yeah. Um, it's a bit, more, a bit more expansive now, thanks to the mods. And a few cosmetic mods. Oh. Yeah, um, that feedback is coming from David, by the way. But, yeah, um, James was like telling me about this um, mod for... New Vegas actually that adds stocks and stuff so you can actually like invest in different things and it's crazy like the, what he was showing me like it actually made me want to own that game for PC because it's just crazy to think how much more expanded it can be through mods so that was pretty cool is that it? is that all you was playing? that's it I can't really I haven't really touched anything else Alright, cool. So, um, with that being said, um, I would like to announce that, you know, we have two people listening in, so shout-outs to Edward and Carl from Coalition. They're listening in this week because, you know, they know how great the show is, so they decided they wanted to listen in this week. So, shout-outs to you guys. Um, we're going to get straight into the news now. And David, you know, he kind of, like, took control of the news this week. He gathered it all himself, so all credit goes to him. So I'm going to pass it over to Dave, and he's going to announce what's on the news first. All right. 
first, uh, I remember last episode we talked about some of those Japanese RPGs that were supposed to be coming out in the U.S., and a lot of them got canceled. And um, actually, Nintendo filed a trademark for Last Story. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen, but, I mean, it's a sign that it's possible. So that's good, because uh, that would be a really good game for the Wii to have. Because, you know, besides Zelda, there isn't really anything left. And so it would be good for, you know, for a solid RPG to come out for the Wii. And, uh, yeah. Uh, next is um, that it's been announced that Skyrim is not going to be getting any type of demo. Which, I mean, you probably don't expect it to get a demo anyway. Yeah, I don't really see a problem with that too much. Because, um... It's such a big game anyway. Like, what exactly would you put in the demo exactly? Like, cause... Yeah. Because, like, one thing that I understood was, um, like, with Oblivion, for example, they had that beginning, like, a sewer level. So, like, a game yeah. like that, maybe. But I think they came out and said that there isn't going to be any type of intro area like that in Skyrim. It's just going to kind of shape to you as you play it. Oh really? So there's like no intro kind of thing. Not not in the same sense that there was in Oblivion. Like it was a whole like instanced area, you know. Yeah. Where it felt like separate from the game. So like I mean you know because during that stage of the game in Oblivion, you know that's where it kind of gathers like it it calculates how you play and then it kind of suggests a class for you. So I mean, are they not going to do that this time? How are you going to be able to like choose your classes and stuff like that? Do you well, think? See, the thing with uh, Skyrim, from what I understand, is that the whole, like, leveling up your skills and everything is pretty much all controlled just by your actions. Like, whenever you level up, you pick, like, to increase your strength, your stamina, your magic, but you don't have to, like, calculate how many points to put into, like, your endurance or your willpower or your intelligence. It all just is based off of what skills you use and what level those skills are. And so, like, the game will just dynamically shape to fit how you play over time. Oh, okay. And so I am i could be wrong. I don't remember if there's any, like, predetermined classes you pick. I think it's just entirely skill-based. So it's going to be a little bit different. But uh, I, I kind of like that idea. I think it's going to be kind of cool because the way leveling up works is that if you use your bow and arrow a lot your marksman skill is going to be really high. So every yeah. time you level up your marksman skill, it's going to contribute to your overall level more than it would if you, like, leveled up, uh, like, destruction magic. If you don't use it very much, it's not going to contribute to your level very much. Okay, yeah, because, like, it, it was kind of confusing leveling up in Oblivion because, like, um, you had to make sure that you level up certain... Um, you know, you had those certain skill sets that governed other skills, like in abilities. Yeah, like you yeah, had there was to make like the sure. trickle down stuff that was kind of confusing. Yeah, because you had to like level up a certain, you know, amount each time to fully develop your character, kind of thing. So. Yeah, yeah. So like, if you were a warrior and you used healing magic in between fights, and your restoration magic level went up, it would actually hurt you. Because that would be points you couldn't put into strength or something whenever you leveled up. Yeah, exactly. But, um, I mean, AKQ, what do you think? Like, do you think this kind of game should have a demo or something that people can try out before actually buying? Um, Skyrim, I don't think the, the demo may be necessary. I think people will want to be playing this either way. It may be the PC users. They might want a demo to see if it can run them their systems. Yeah, there, there that's a good point. That's a good point, see? But there is the alternative of pirating it and then trying it before you're buying it. <laughs> I'm not endorsing or encouraging piracy in any way, but that is one common um, practice that uh, PC gamers like to use. They see a game, they want to try it out on their system. If there's no demo, they'll have a bootleg copy, and if they like it, they will buy it. Mm. But, you know, That's console what... users don't have that privilege, really. Well, not so much. So, you know, I guess, like, demos are more suitable for those kind of gamers, I guess, but... I 
don't yeah. see why they'll turn down Skyrim if they buy it. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, I think they'll be in it for a treat. I think no demo will be required. They will just introduce you into the game as it is, and um, I think they'll take it from there. Yeah, I mean, since this is one of those games that's so big and it shapes to how you play, and you know, every playthrough is going to be different. Picking what to put in a demo wouldn't really represent the whole experience, and that's you know, this game's about the overall package. So, if you play a demo in a cave where you, you know, can use fireball, a short sword, and like a shield, it's not really going to represent what the entire game's like, really. Yeah. Exactly. And also, like, I think if people, like, this this franchise is so big and so well known, if someone's going to buy it, they're going to buy it. Like Todd Howard said, you know, he's not changing the series to acquire new fans because they know it's going to sell. So. Yeah, I mean, like they said, they already have like a a big enough fan base to where they don't even need to worry about that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, you know. exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, what else is there on the news this week? Uh, this one's kind of funny. Uh, like I said, I was I've been playing Two Worlds too, and um. They've released a Velvet Game of the Year edition that's going to be coming out, which is pretty funny if you ask me. This game didn't, you know, get fantastic reviews. It was kind of more of a cult classic type hit. And um, I don't think anyone's called it Game of the Year. So they're releasing this package where it's going to come in like a Velvet case. And the news release I read said that it was the Velvet Game of the Year, which kind of, you know, to me implies that it's the best game of the year in Velvet, which is probably true because there really haven't been any other games in Velvet. And uh, it's going to come with, like, a soundtrack. It's going to have, like, uh, other goodies and stuff. I'm not sure how much the price is, but I think it's kind of funny and interesting that they're doing that. Maybe more people will buy it now since, you know, it looks all fancy. Uh, did this game really warrant a game of the year edition? I know it's got quite a bit of cult following, and I know that Europeans in particular, Germans love this game. And, uh, yeah, it's got quite a cult following around the world because the first game was kind of a bit of a rough diamond, as you will. It was very yeah. rough around the edges. It was very rough around the edges, but uh, if you look deep enough, there is an actual um, comprehensive and de- engaging RPG experience to have, and Two Worlds 2 brushed up on their experience. Yeah. But as you said, it wasn't that well received. It was somewhat not very well received from the re- from the reviewers and uh, it's really more for the fan re- for the fans really not for to cater to anyone reviewing their game again yeah uh, the, the package I think maybe uh, topware interactive are actually giving thanks to the fans this way and mm-hmm. maybe even to, to, to potential players that giving newer players more to play. I mean, this comes with... This is an absolutely... Uh, this is like a... a free-for-all gift. I mean, it comes with art, videos, it comes with the soundtrack. Yeah, map. Map packs, yep. Map packs. And, and it... an expansion pack, the Pirates of the Flying Fortress. Yeah, yeah. So, for a company to do this, for their fans, I think it's very admirable, and it doesn't matter. In this case, I guess it doesn't matter what the reviewers think; it's just what the uh, company thinks about their fans, and they think very highly of their fans. It seems that Reality Pump and Topware seem want to really cater to the same fan base that put their franchise on the map. Yeah, I agree. I'm reading the content of the package now. It's really. Yeah, they're being very generous. In a velvet, you got a choice between royal red or black velvet box. You got Do you have any idea how much it's going to cost? Uh, let's see. I'm reading up on gaming bits, and it says for Xbox 360 and PC. Yeah, sorry, Xbox 360 and PS3, seventy dollars. And PC and Mac, $50. Okay, that's not bad. I might think about getting that for PC. Yeah, it comes with the DLC. Uh, I wanted to talk about Final Fantasy 13 2. It's going to be getting a 
they got a Western release date that's more uh, in stone. Before it was just kind of early 2012, but they said it should come out around January. Mm-hmm. And uh, I haven't played Final Fantasy 13 yet. Uh, we've talked about it on here before. I think we talked about it some last episode. Um, but, uh, I mean, as far as me getting this game, I think for me it kind of depends on um, whether I actually can be bothered to complete 13 or not by that time. <laughs> uh, which I don't know if I will do, but you know, we'll see. But um, I, I definitely don't think I'm going to get the game if I haven't completed 13 yet. But um, also what I want to say is that will this game get, you know... Because usually when a Final Fantasy game drops it gets like a, a whole lot of attention and stuff but will this game get you know the same attention that 13 got when it first released or do you guys think it will kind of just like slip under the radar a little bit as it's a sequel no i think i think they'll want to highlight this as much as they did with their first game because this is supposed to be the game that actually brings it brings 13 to the status of being a a worthy Final Fantasy game, worthy of its predecessor games. I think that um, the fact that they, Square Enix, talked about how much they've fixed from the last game, they'll want to tell their fans that we haven't abandoned the old formula that made the Final Fantasy so great, and they'll really want to um, push this. I don't think this is going to slip under the radar, and I think they'll be pushing this as much as they can. Yeah, I think it's interesting because the last time they did a, you know, insert number dash two, it was a follow up to a critical and commercial success. You know, Final Fantasy. Isn't it ten? Like, yeah, ten was like a lot of people say the best game in the series. It was very popular. So ten two was like, oh wow, we're getting more of the same, and then it turned out to be kind of shitty. So yeah. it, I think this is a different situation because. Final Fantasy 13, a lot of people were disappointed with, and now they're saying this is going to be a better version. So, maybe it'll help out. Yeah, I hope they do improve stuff, and, you know, I, I, I don't know, I might try and make the effort to complete 13, just so, you know, I can check this one out and stuff. But I actually don't think that it's going to get as much hype around its release as 13 did, because, I mean, 13 got a lot of hype, but also for the wrong reasons kind of thing, but, because, uh, you know, like, the whole thing with it going multi-platform and stuff, like, that made it get a lot of hype. Yeah. So, so you know, I, I doubt this game will get the same amount, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Hopefully it's a much better game than 13 was. But, yeah, moving on. Uh, next, a couple episodes back, we talked about MMOs a lot, or I did, I guess, rather. And uh, Star Wars Galaxies is shutting down later this year. And it's been confirmed, or maybe I should say de-confirmed, I don't know. But Star Wars Galaxies is not going to be getting a free-to-play conversion at all. That was one of the things that we kind of speculated that maybe it would go free-to-play. Which I think that would have been a good idea, because, you know, Old Republic comes out soon. And that's probably part of the reason why it's shutting down. And so yeah. if they went free-to-play, they could be like, oh, hey, look, we have a free Star Wars MMO. Come play this one. Yeah, well, but, I guess, you know, just like you said, I guess, you know, because the Old Republic is coming out, and that's why they definitely don't want to do the free-to-play version, because I guess for them it wouldn't make sense business-wise, because they want everybody to get into the Old Republic. So, you know, why would they offer a free Star Wars MMO for people to play? At yeah, the same time, so. yeah, the publishers wouldn't support it, so... Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's all really making more sense now, because, you know, last time we was kind of unsure of their motives for closing it down, but now we can definitely be sure that it's because of Old Republic, because, you know... Yeah. And so. uh, next is Kingdoms of Amalur. It got a release date. It should be coming out in February of next year. I'm pretty excited for this game. It looks like it's going to have a lot of promise. Oh, Although, right. it is going to be coming out around the same time as Mass Effect 3. Yeah, I, I was about to say, like, that's going to be a, a great, like, couple of months for RPGs, man. I mean, you got Final Fantasy 12, I mean, 13 2, and then you got this, and then Mass Effect. Like, wow. It's going to be a jam packed start of the year. 
Yeah, just the next few months in general. Yeah. It's, it's got a lot of good stuff. You got like what um, we're going to be talking about later in the upcoming, all those games and Skyrim and. I'm pretty sure I'm still going to be playing Skyrim about the, around the time that this comes out. So. But if it's anything like Oblivion, you'll be playing Skyrim until Elder 6. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, the last topic for the news is uh, about what we just mentioned, Mass Effect 3. Uh, first is that the marketing director, Silverman, he has said that Mass Effect 3 is not going to be the end of the franchise, that they're going to you know, expand it to more games, maybe other platforms, and to just keep it going because they like the universe and like what they have. So I think that's good. So you know you can look forward to more Mass Effect stuff based in that universe. Yeah, I think that's definitely a good thing because um, whenever a you know developer has the ability to create this you know unique expansive world or universe, they should definitely like make more franchises based in that same universe because otherwise it's just a waste, you know, like coming up with all that stuff, you know, just to leave it at a trilogy that you know that wouldn't be productive because there's a lot of people who want to expand on the universe and you know know a lot more yeah there was no actual surprise that they were going to be uh continuing this franchise i knew it wasn't going to end on Mass Effect 3 even before they announced this because they created this like you said this huge expansive universe with amazing characters and amazing stories and amazing backdrop stories the fans are going to be wanting to find out what where the, the Mass Effect universe goes, the hidden stories within stories, how to present new new potential fans to the franchise, and since they're going to be expanding on other platforms, it's going to reach out to a wider audience. Yeah, indeed. So was there more um, Mass Effect 3 stuff you wanted to talk about? Yeah, there's quite a bit more, actually. This is the meat of what I was going to talk about. Um, okay, the a marketing boss again, David Silverman, he was talking to CVG, and he divulged a little bit more information on Mass Effect 3. And he talks about the game. He said that, for one thing he said that I think is kind of weird, it's a natural entry point for new players, um, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense that the end of a trilogy is a good place to start. Um because the way he described it was that it's a giant alien race launches launching an all-out war, and you have to rally against them. So maybe he's saying that more people would be able to jump in and maybe go play the other two to see how it led up to that. Um, which, I, I don't know, it just seems kind of odd that he would say that the ending is a good place for people to start. Uh, but second is that the way he has described what the game is going to be like, he says that they're hoping for a big hit, it's the best game we've ever made at Bioware Edmonton. The stuff we're doing, like making the gameplay more action adventure is making it on a par with some of the best action games you see today. And he goes on to say, it gets better, um, whenever he was asked whether the game would have more RPG depth than Mass Effect 2, this is a contradiction here. He says, absolutely, hands down. We've done a lot of research about what people liked about Mass Effect, Mass Effect 2, and other games. What they like about Gears of War, Assassin's Creed, Halo, and Call of Duty. Oh, no. So let's recap. Recap. He says, is it going to be more RPG depth? Yes, we researched Gears of War, Assassin's Creed, Halo, and Call of Duty. (laughs) Oh, man. AKQ, well, what do you think of this, man? Let, Let us know what you think. Researching Halo and Call of Duty for role-playing. <laughs> this is like researching for real-time strategy by playing Duke Nukem 3D. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I knew it. I <laughs> knew that they were going to do this to Bioware. I knew they were going to do this to Mass Effect. I knew Bioware were going to go down this route. This is the same guys that gave the world Baldur's Gate. I mention this a lot, and you're going to hear this again. Baldur's Gate, Jade Empire, Knights of the Old Republic, and now we've got Ghost Recon in space. (laughs) (laughs) I have more to read. It gets better. Hold on. 
We've looked at all these games to see what's resonating with people and what's not. On the one hand, we don't want to go too far down the RPG rabbit hole where Shepard starts rolling dice. But on the other hand, we don't what? want to ignore that coolness. What the hell are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think, I think they don't want to go as far as making Dungeons & Dragons. Although I don't know sure what's wrong with that, but yeah. Why can't they just do it in the same style they did the first game? Like, that was a perfect balance. I mean... Apparently not. All they had to do in that game, you know, was fix the mechanics a little bit. You know, optimize it a a little bit. Which they did in Mass Effect 2 to an extent. You know, they made the graphics a lot better. And, you know, um, it was more fluid and stuff. But they took out a lot of what, you know, made it stand as an RPG. And that that's what a lot of the fans had a problem with, with the second game. You know, after reading this, I think that's been their intention all along. Yeah, like, I guess so. I think they're trying, to, they're trying to make this more of an action franchise. Because, I mean, he didn't say this, but maybe they're kind of tired of making really heavily RPG type games, I guess. I mean, when you look at Dragon Age 2 and now this, it definitely seems so. Yeah. Making the gameplay more action-adventure-y. It was a hint. Dragon Age 2 was a hint to what they plan to do for the rest for the rest of their development time. They don't want to make Baldur's the new Baldur's Gate. They don't want to make a new Dragon Age Origins 2. They don't want to make... A new KOTOR, even. Yeah. They turned it into Force Unleashed 3. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this this has got to be... I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Heavy influence. That's what I was about to say, man. Yeah, I bet you're right. Let's make, um, let's get EA's uh, opinion on this. Let's see what they're going to think about. Let's think. Dragon Age. Gangsters in the hood. Knights <laughs> <laughs> uh, of your Republic. Extreme biking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, de- EA are definitely the ones to blame behind this, I think. Because, I mean, it, this all started to happen around the time they merged with EA, so... You know, that that just goes to show. Yeah, Bioware used to be top of the pile. I don't think they... Maybe they, maybe it's them. They Maybe they're tired of being... Maybe tired of making the same sort of game over and over again. Maybe they're tired of making their role-playing games. Maybe they do want to uh, kind of try something else. Try going a bit more action-orientated. Like, well, see, if that's it. the case, what they should have done is save that for a new IP. Like, don't muddle down something that people already love. Like, if they wanted to make a more action-adventure type game, they should have created a new series or something. But finish off the series you already have the way that, you know, people want it. I mean, you know, it's all about money at the end of the day. So, that's what it all boils down to. Yeah. I mean, let's just hope the modders can save us, you know, as far as Mass Effect (laughs) 3. Well, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to playing Mass Effect 3 to finish off the story because it re- it really is an interesting storyline. But you know, as far as the RPG element, I think it's definitely going to lack on that part, and I'm not happy about that. But those are my final thoughts on it. Any final words before we move on to our spotlight? No, uh, not really. No dice rolling down the RPG rabbit hole for us. <laughs> Alright, with that being said, uh, let's move on to our spotlight. So this week we're going to focus on Fallout 3, and just Fallout 3, because, you know, New Vegas was kind of a different developer, so maybe we'll focus on that game on a different show. But, um, yeah, Fallout 3, what year did it come out again? Like 2008, was it? Yeah, 2008 sounds right. Yeah, um... I think, yeah, it was actually Assad who made me get excited for this game because, you know, he knew about it in advance and he kept telling me about it and the more he spoke about it, the more it sounded interesting and plus the fact that Bethesda were behind it, 
you know, I was already a big Elder Scrolls Oblivion fan, so I knew that this game would be an instant classic. So when the game came out, I bought it, loved it. And um, I mean, there's so much to say about it. Where do you want to start, guys? Um, I guess we can each just say our favorite moments or some of our favorite moments. Okay, I I know what mine is. Um, the decision to blow up Megaton or not, like that was such a a huge decision to make early on in the game, and uh, based on what you choose, it actually impacts you know like your character development and you know where where you're based kind of thing, like where you like because uh, if you do blow up Megaton, you get to stay in the um, Ten Penny Hotel. Tenpenny Tower or whatever. So, you know, that means you're going to be, instead of being based in the center of the map, because, you know, if you keep Megaton, if you save Megaton, you get to stay there, live there. You know, so instead of being based in the middle of the map at Megaton, you would be based, like, at the far um, left-hand side. So, you know, that means a lot of traveling to certain places and stuff. Also, there was a lot of missions, side quests and stuff, in Megaton, so if you blew it up prematurely, then you missed out on a lot of, you know, points and stuff. So, that's definitely, you know, one of my favorite parts. Because I always wanted to blow up Megaton just to see it over and over again, because it's such like it's such a great scene like, when um, when it actually explodes, and you get to see it from Tenpenny Tower. It's a great yeah. view. Yeah, so I always wanted to do it, but doing it has, like, a bad consequence, because... At the same time, I like to kill Tenpenny because he's kind of an asshole. So, yeah, that's definitely one of my favorite things in the game. But what about you, David? Uh, my favorite, uh, I guess, part of the game would definitely be Tranquility Lane, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah that part was just so incredible. Because, you know, it... It's so cool to be in a world that's, like, futuristic, but at the same time, you know, you have all the elements that are, like, old, you know, cause the, uh, because of the fallout, everything, you didn't really advance as much, so you have, like, the old music and uh, the old setting and everything, and then whenever you go into that, whenever you go down to Tranquility Lane, it's all black and white, so it feels even more like you're in that age and then in that time, and... All the, you know, families, like the little perfect families, and you have the little kid at the playground running everything. It's really creepy, because for me personally, having, like, evil children is one of the creepiest things ever. So, (laughs) I thought that part was just really awesome. And then, when you get to become the pint-sized slasher, I think was the name, where you take the mask and the knife and everything, and... I ended up doing that. I can't remember or what the other ways of getting out of there were, but that's what I did. Yeah, that that that's a great part of the game because you know it kind of switches it up a, a lot because it like the, these kind of games can get a little bit repetitive for some people who don't like to dedicate a lot of time in their games and stuff, or if but, they don't listen to the story and, or like the dialogue. Yeah, exactly. Everything kind of feels the same. Yeah. Exactly. So, but you know, having that part in there, you know, it kind of mixed things up a little bit, and you know, it added another fun element to it. Uh, yeah. What, what about you, uh, AKQ? Any favorite moments in Fallout Three? I have plenty of favorite moments in that game. Give us oh. some. Right. Well, what was that? Sorry about that. That was my phone. Was that some hip hop or something? Is your own time? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was my mom calling, and she has a country song because she's a redneck. Oh wow! Can't believe I mistaked hip hop for country, country for hip hop. Whatever. All right, carry on, AKQ. All right. Um, one of my favorite moments was uh, playing one of the expansion packs called the Pit. I mean, it introduced it introduced the whole. It kind of um, showed the consequences of the whole world of Fallout in another part of America. It's based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's just as 
run down and in ruins as any other part. But the pit is a little different because it turned into an in industrial tr industrial town. And you're experiencing how harsh life is, has become for the people of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And people of Pitt, most of the populace has been taken in as slaves by the, by some of the, the raiders who have been hired by the person who's running the pit. And what, what really got me was the kind of moral decision that you make in out determining the outcome of the pit. Because either one, I'm not going to say any spoilers, but either one kind of lays heavily on your conscience. You wonder if you did the right thing if you finished it one way, and then you wonder you did it. If you wonder, you ask yourself if you did the right thing if you did it another way. And another interesting thing to note about the Fallout 3 is that there's a lot of emphasis on survival horror. There's a lot. I mean, yeah, you, definitely. you start off weak, you start off pitiful, you start off almost unarmed, unable to defend yourself. You're surrounded by a vast, empty wasteland. You, you, you immediately come across monstrosities, or mutated monstrosities twice your size, and other people who still look really weird uh, because of their maybe their skin tone or tattoos or haircuts and they have how, more powerful weapons than you and you have to scrounge whatever you can you have to fight whoever you can you have to choose when to fight choose when to run away uh, interact yeah. with as many people as possible gather as much equipment as you can to survive and the pit and the pit is one of those places where it wasn't just um, what you had, what your equipment that were keeping you alive. It was also the decisions that you were making, which uh, kind of um, changed the consequence of the outcome of the pit, and even the rest of the wasteland, depending on what you've done and what you did to what you you went through to survive. Yeah, indeed. Um, I definitely have to agree with, you know, the whole survival element of the game because, like, it's, it's really intense, especially at the earlier parts of the game. Um, there's parts that, you know, kind of had me scared to play, like, literally, because, you know, I was just scared to die. I, I didn't have a lot of ammo on me. My weapons were, you know, they were almost broken and, you know, I didn't have much weapons on me. I didn't have much like armor and stuff so I felt really under equipped you know at the early stages and I had to go you know far into the wasteland and I had to fight all kinds of things like super mutants and fire ants those fire ants oh really, my god they they really pissed me off those fire ants man like, I remember the first time I went to that little city where the kid's family was or whatever yeah and that was pretty early in the game cause I came across them early and so the first time I found those fire ants Oh my god. That was yeah. terrible. Like, I mean, <laughs> Ed said they scared him, but I mean, they, they didn't scare me because of what they were. They scared me for the fact that I knew once I saw one, I would be dead, basically, because those are and so hard to kill. Their range, their range was ridiculous. Yeah. It wasn't a flamethrower, it was like a flame sniper. Yeah, and you know, I mean, there's actually a mission where you get to kill them, you know, you get to kill them off fully so they never come back. Did you meet that queen? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, even though I hated them and, you know, I didn't want to do that mission, I struggled to complete that mission because I just wanted to rid the wasteland of them completely. So, you know, I mean, stuff like that is classic in that game, you know. So... Yeah. I love that element of it. I mean, the DLC, you know, um, as I had already mentioned, the pit... Um, I played, I think, um, I actually can't remember what it was, but there's one where I think you go to the, back to the Vietnam War or something. Oh, the, the China one, right? Yeah. It's like when a simulation. They invaded Alaska. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that, that was a really good DLC, I think. Like, it was totally unique, something you wouldn't expect, you know, to be in the game, but I think it was a great, mission like you know it, it lasted for about an hour or so but it was a it was a good mission I think 
Um, there's still some DLC I haven't played yet. I haven't played the, um, what's the one with the aliens? Mothership Zeta? Yeah. I actually have all the DLC, I just haven't played it yet. I definitely need to get around to it. So. What do you guys think of those DLC packs? I actually haven't played any of them. Okay. I need to. I've already said I love the pit. It's probably my favorite out of all the DLC packs. I was disappointed in Operation Anchorage because what you got wasn't really that impressive. The outcome was, I mean, you when you finished Operation Anchorage, you get a whole bunch of goodies to use in the wasteland. Like, um, you get all access to new weaponry, new armor, new equipment, and uh, Broken Steel was a pretty good one as well. This is about, um, I think it's, oh yes, that's right, you have to, the, the mission is you join the Brotherhood of Steel, and you go and attack the, the Enclave, and your mission is to wipe them out once and for all. Rid them from the capital wasteland. And I think there, I think I might have did that one, but I can't remember. Even there, you can make some tough decisions. I'm not going to spoil anything again for those who haven't played it, but you can make decisions in Broken Steel, which will change the outcome of what you did in the story of Fallout Three. I'll just leave it at that. And the the the, the, the the gameplay itself in Fallout 3 is a lot more action-orientated than Broken Steel because there's a lot more gunfighting. You'll be coming against a lot more of the Enclave. They'll be throwing everything they got at you, and you were only a small battalion of um, Brotherhood of Steel knights. And mm. um, the fighting's intense. It's really well done. And uh, I believe, yeah, you. there are odds in their favor, three to one, which is the most exciting thing, because victory in Broken Steel is only that more sweet. Yeah. Look out. Um. Yeah, Point Lookout was a very, very, <laughs> very creepy, very scary. Well, not scary, but chilling and eerie sort of um, DLC, well, expansion pack. Was a lot of swamp area. It was apparently a place that was untouched by the uh, nuclear fallout that happened during in the rest of America. But that didn't mean that um, it didn't. It wasn't affected by any freak of nature, inbred hillbillies that attacked people with axes and shovels and double barrel shotguns. And there's no specific goal in Point Lookout. You're really just going in there and just finding out um, what's going on. There's no actual story to it. You only look out for... Okay, the one big quest is a rivalry between two people called... Two scientists called Desmond and Culvert. And you can choose either side to... um, um, determine the outcome. But other than that, you're really just looking around Point Lookout and finding out what's happening. Mm-hmm. Mothership Zeta's a fun one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're abducted by aliens, you meet people from the past who you thought out of the, the um, cryostasis, you use new weapons, alien weapons, you fight new enemies, yeah, I hear you get some great equipment from that one, so I think I definitely need to play it. Yeah, you do, and you meet some new interesting characters as well. It's not my favorite of the DLC, but really, it's, it's up there with the best. We're up there with the top four. One, mm. two, three, four. Oh, sorry, five, I think. I do have to say that I think, you know... Um, the DLC seems a lot better for Fallout 3 than for New Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it does. I'm not too fussed about the New Vegas DLC because there's mods in the work that are, that are, that give you more, more, com- more, 
a more in-depth experience than the DLC can provide. I'm yeah. using some mods right now that provide more content than the DLC ever did. <laughs> so that's why I'm not really gonna... <laughs> um, I'm not really gonna worry about getting the New Vegas DLC. I, I might pick them up soon, but for now, I'm just gonna stick to the mods because the modders are doing a really good job of making sort of free DLC and yeah. giving you more... Mm, giving you more of a... in-depth survival horror experience that Fallout New, Ve that Fallout New Vegas should be. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, you know, to add my final thoughts, you know, I would just like to say that, you know, in Fallout 3, they captured the whole post-apocalyptic setting, like, very well. Like, it was excellent how they did it. Uh, it really does, you know, put you in into the shoes of someone living in that, you know, in a post-apocalyptic world. Uh, the, the environment... You know, from the environment to the characters to, you know, the different, um, creatures and stuff. Um, the fact that you can get radiated and it has different effects on you and you can make weapons, you know, all that stuff is just amazing. And it actually made me want to go back and play the old games too, you know, the very first Fallout games. Yeah, I need to play those. Yeah, same here. So, those are my final thoughts. It's a, it's an amazing game. Everyone should try it. Even Carl from the Coalition, who hates RPGs. Any closing thoughts on Fallout, guys? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah go Fallout's ahead. Fallout's probably going to be the... Fallout's probably set its mark as one of the most comprehensive, most in-depth role-playing slash survival horror experiences since 1997. Fallout 1 was a huge smashing success. And that's why they've continued it up for today, and they're going to keep continuing it up even after Fallout New Vegas. It's going to give you, it's going to give you for a long time the most in-depth survival horror, role-playing, adventure, action experience that you could get out of a uh, video game series. Yeah, well said. Okay, so we're going to move on to our final segment now, which is upcoming. Uh, we have a few few things to mention here. Um, there's some new stuff on Dark Souls that David wanted to discuss. So, what exactly is it? Uh, not really too much new stuff. Just mm -hmm. want to remind people that game's going to be awesome. It's uh, it's not coming out until October, but I think it's going to be really great. A lot of people really like Demon Souls a lot and it's great that it's coming over to 360 as well so more people get a chance to play it and uh, I think it's going to be cool because they're changing it to where it's uh, more of an open world game because yeah. Demon Souls was like different levels pretty much so it was a little bit different but uh, yeah I yeah, think I'll, I'll be going to be great I'll be keeping an eye out on that um, I, I might even play Demon Souls, you know, just to see how that plays, and so I know what to expect with Dark Souls. Yeah, you, you definitely should. It's great. Okay, so what about Lord of the Rings: War in the North? Uh, that, that game's coming out pretty soon. It uh, comes out in August in North America. I didn't see anything about other regions, but that game's pretty cool because it focuses on areas that most people aren't really familiar with. It's a war that was happening in the north sort of around the same time as the sort of the, like the Ring trilogy that yeah. the movies are about and everything. And uh, so a lot of people aren't really familiar with it. It's like follows a dwarf elf and a human that are on a, like a journey in the war and, you know, takes, you know, takes place up there. So it's going to be a unique setting and, Within the same universe, it will be pretty cool. Yeah, that's the thing about Lord of the Rings. It has so much lore to it that, you know, they could continue to make, you know, games, even movies based on that, you know, based on that trilogy for a long time. So. Yeah, and they're, they're making The Hobbit. Yeah, I heard them making that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's going to be cool. And the, 
this War in the North game has a really cool special edition that comes with a lot of really cool stuff, and it even has a like a quiver that's it's, it's going to come with, if I'm not mistaken. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's great for Lord of the Rings fans. Anything to say yeah. about that, Asad? Yeah, I think this is going to the War in the North game is going to be yeah what the fans may be looking for in a Lord of the Rings game. It's going to touch down on lore that was touched in some of the books and maybe not in the movies. Most people recognize Lord of the Rings in the movies. This will introduce people to a new part of the movie, new part of the Lord of the Rings franchise. So it's sort of like what uh, Old Republic did for Star Wars, introduce a new yeah. sort of setting for the same universe that it was based in. War in the North will introduce people to new allies, new enemies, maybe maybe introduce characters just as relatable as the ones that people recognize. Mm. And uh, hopefully we'll see a new Lord of the Rings game, uh, War in the North, this one. And hopefully it will be just as more recognized as what you see in the movies and the movies video games. Yeah, and also my my thing is that, you know, there's so much games out there that take inspiration from Lord of the Rings anyway, so, you know, Lord of the Rings might as well be relevant in the gaming industry, so... Dragon Age! (coughs) (laughs) Well... (laughs) Alright, moving on, um, Star Wars The Old Republic beta starts in September, um, it's not actually like the full beta... But it's going to be, you know, specific weekends that allow certain privileged uh, users to actually, you know, test the game before it goes live and stuff, or be- before they do a bigger beta, I guess. So that's definitely something to look out for. Um, I think they have a beta club or something. Um, if you if you've been following the game, most likely you know about it, and uh, I'm not sure if they're accepting people or, or not. I'll have to look into that and update you on a, a future episode. But yeah, that's definitely something to look into. Um, this is definitely going to be a big game this fall. So yeah, that's a good thing to look forward to. Um, and also, finally, um, since David just, you know, dissed Dragon Age, I have to, you know, kind of redeem the show a little bit and mention Dragon Age Redemption which is basically a, a short web series that's going to air this fall on, um, I believe, on YouTube. Uh, it's going to be like an hour's worth of footage, kind of. It's, it's like a... Uh, I have the information here, hold up. Yeah, it's basically like a story based on based in the Dragon Age universe. And um, I think the enemy is going to be a Canary or something. So... I mean, it looks pretty cool. They released a, a teaser trailer of this earlier on in the year, which I'll probably put a video of that in the actual article when we post this. And yeah, um, they're going to release it in like 10 part episodes each week or something. So definitely something to look forward to for for Dragon Age fans. And um, I would just like to say shout out to Eddie, who's making fun of my accent right now. He almost made me laugh, but yeah, so that's all we've got for upcoming. Uh, anything else you guys wanted to say before we get out of here? No, not really. We covered it. Alright, Assad? Well, one thing I'm looking forward to Star Wars The Old Republic beta, I might actually look forward to look forward to trying the beta out, because I do want to experience The Old Republic. To me, The Old Republic is the best thing have, it's arguably the best thing to happen to Star Wars, and the fact that now it's an MMORPG, it's gonna give the Star Wars fans the universe to to explore. They're gonna experience the Old Republic firsthand in a big way. And Dragon Age Redemption, I'm, I'm kind of, in a way, I'm kind of happy that they're making something like this. They're kind of using media outside video game to to uh, drive a franchise. I mean, this little webcomic's a great idea. This is going to be... Um, More um, developers should do this, really. I mean, if they have the budget to, of course. Yeah. 
this is an, this is an independent thing, isn't it? There's, it's gonna be it's gonna have a company behind it, right? It's actually um, it's, this is actually fully developed by the Dragon Age people, like the Dragon Age team. So oh, okay. It's official. Alright, so yeah, either way, we'd expect something special, because Dragon Age is a, is a great universe to expand on when they're not dumbing it down. Yeah. But yeah, I'm looking forward to Dragon Age Redemption. Mm. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about Star Wars The Old Republic, does anyone actually know what the storyline content is going to be exactly? Or is there no word on that yet? There is plenty of word on the, the story. The Republic has been living in peace for quite a while. It's based on 300 years after Knights of the Old Republic, which was when Darth Malak and Darth Revan declared war on the Republic 4,000 years from the Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. And this one's based after what happened then. It's based 300 years. And the Jedi have, and the old Re- and the Republic have been living in peace. And um, there was the Jedi were responsible. They were held responsible because the Sith had a devastating success in the Great Galactic War. Okay, well, then, you don't have to go too in-depth if you don't want to, but... Um, the Sith it, Empire returned and just uh, causing him havoc over the Republic. And the players are able to choose sides. Are they going to be with the Empire? Are they going to be with the Republic and the Jedi? Or are they going to be... By oh, the wow, Republic? you can actually be with the Empire? Yep. You can be a Sith and threatened to conquer the galaxy as when the Sith Empire encompasses the galaxy. Oh, wow. This this is going to be amazing, right? But, um, also, like, how did they manage being a Jedi? Like, did they make it so... Because um, me and David discussed this on, you know, a few episodes back with um, Star Wars Galaxies, where, um, you know, at first they would make it so you had to put in a lot of work to become a Jedi but you know then they changed the whole thing up and then you know you could choose to be a Jedi from the get go which wasn't as fun so you know is this game going to actually make you work towards being a Jedi or can you be a Jedi straight away I think you can be a Jedi straight away I think it's based on um, factions the classes are exclusive to one faction the other for the Republic you get um, the uh, Jedi Knight, Jedi Counselor, and the Republic Soldiers, and whatever. So you already you already have preset Jedi classes. But I think when you play as these Jedi, Jedi Knight, Jedi Counselor, Jedi Knight, Guardian, and Sentinel, these are the three Jedi classes that you can play. I think you'll be able to mix and match what you can what you do with them where you play. So okay. it's still going to be um, a bit comprehensive, a bit in-depth while you're in trying to level them up. You can mix and match things, I'm sure. Okay, well, um, yeah, so is this game going to have a subscription then, or what? That hasn't it's, been announced yet. Because if it is, then that will be, like, a crying shame because I definitely won't play it if it's going to have a subscription model. But I would love to play it, so... No, it'll, defi- it'll definitely be pay-to-play. Oh, that's a shame. Because they, won't, yeah, get my, they won't get my money, then. <laughs> yeah, something this big and something something that offers this much, yeah, you are going to have to shell out some cash for this. Oh, well, they won't get my money. That's a shame. Alright, that's all we've got to discuss this week. So until next week, um, well, two weeks' time from now, look out for Turn Base 6. This has been Turn Base 5. Thanks for listening. Um, thanks to Ed and Carl for also listening live. Um, 
And yeah, that's it. We're out. Peace.